So today we find ourselves in week four of our Lenten sermon series, God Still Loves the World. Uh, over the course of our series, we've talked about how God still loved the world uh, after it fell into sin. God loved the world so much, he gave his only son to save us. Last week we heard about how God loves complainers and sinners and the marginalized. Our theme for today is God enlightens the world. It's a theme that deals with darkness and light, with blindness and with sight. We'll be reflecting on how God brings light to our darkness, how he opens our eyes, how he transforms us from lost creatures of the night into his restored new creations, basking in the daylight of his son and the redemption that he brings. As we do that, we first have to talk about why such a transformation was necessary in the first place. Now, there are several books I remember reading in high school for class. Many of these books I enjoyed to a certain degree then, uh, but have read a few of them since and plan to read some others because I know I'll appreciate them a little bit more now. Some of the books that, uh, that I read, I, I really look forward to revisiting, but one that doesn't fit in that category is a book called Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. Uh, this book was written in 1899, and it follows Charles Marlowe, who is a, a worker for an ivory trading company, and it follows him as he travels deep into the heart of the jungles of Africa. The title of the book has multiple layers of meaning, the most important one signifies Marlowe's experiences and what they teach him about human nature when left to itself. Marlowe is tasked with making his way to the riverboat that he's been assigned to captain, and eventually this leads him to a trading post which is being run by an agent named Mr. Kurtz. After a harrowing journey where his party is attacked a few times and they see some horrifying things, Marlowe finally encounters Kurtz, and discovers that he's essentially gone insane. Considered a god by the native people, and certainly in his own eyes as well, Kurtz has done terrible, inhumane, barbaric things. By the end of the book, spoiler alert, Kurtz dies. And his famous last words in the book are the same as Colonel Kurtz's last words in the movie Apocalypse Now, which was based on the book. The horror. The horror. The horror. These words are a summation of the novel, of everything that Marlowe has learned about the depravity of the human heart. And they show that even Kurtz who had become so engulfed in evil that he was practically indistinguishable from it, realized in the end how brutish and dark his own heart had become. I have no desire to read this book again, mostly because of how unsettling it was to read it the first time. But perhaps part of it is also that deep down, I know I can identify with Marlowe and maybe even Kurtz. Because today, Paul tells me in Ephesians as he tells you also, that at one time, you were darkness. It's not simply that we were surrounded by darkness or or even that we were overcome by darkness. You were darkness, Paul says. Over the last three weeks, we've heard that in various ways. Lent is an especially appropriate time for us to examine 
our hearts of darkness, to repent of our sin, to understand its depth and its seriousness, because this allows us to recognize and to receive the depth and the seriousness of God's love for us. But it's not a a really comfortable thing for us to do. It's not an easy experience. These words of God are hard for us. Just as the words of God to Israel were hard for them, when he said to them in our Old Testament lesson, who is blind as my servant or deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is blind as my dedicated one or blind as the servant of the Lord? God had chosen the nation of Israel out of all the nations to be his special possession, to be a light to the nations. And they had failed miserably. They had become darkness. And such were you and I, cursed with the hereditary disease of sin, blind and lost. We could identify with the subject of Shel Silverstein's short poem, The baby bat screamed out in fright, turn on the dark, I'm afraid of the light. Now I doubt it, but maybe Silverstein based this on the words of Jesus in John 3 that we heard a couple weeks ago. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. There we were, imprisoned by the darkness that we ourselves had become. But it's not only our own darkness which can terrify us. As the old Nickelodeon show tauntingly asked us, are you afraid of the dark? As you look around in your life right now, is there a darkness that causes you to fear? It's easy to look around at current events and our culture as it is right now and and say the horror, the horror. As a society, we've become so self-absorbed that we have made ourselves gods, deciding for ourselves what is good or evil, what is true or false, what is sin, what isn't sin, or whether sin really even exists anymore. Aside from the looming darkness pressing in all around us, the dark night of our own soul can provide a torment all its own as as we lay awake at night, as the blackness of night amplifies the fears that we're already wrestling with. Am I good enough? Do I matter to anyone at all? Do I even matter to God? Then there's the dark words or deeds spoken or done against us and the pain that they've caused, which can make it hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, even if we could bring ourselves to approach it in the first place. For at one time, you were darkness. Well, here's the good news. Paul's talking in the past tense. You were darkness darkness, but you are not any longer. You are not in that prison anymore. For at one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. In our reading from Isaiah, even as God deals with the reality of Israel's blindness, he says to them, I will lead the blind in a way they do not know. I will turn the darkness before them into light. Has God done that for you? Has he taken the darkness and the ugliness in your life and somehow transformed it into beauty and light? Maybe he's taken a a broken friendship or, or even a marriage and bound it up like a cast on a broken bone, healed it and made it stronger than ever before. 
Just like a forest fire comes along and, and brings necessary new and fresh growth. Maybe you've seen God work good from evil in your own experience. Maybe he's taken your sins or the sins of someone else and worked his own surprising purposes straight out of the ashes. God quiets the accusations of the night by speaking his love to you through his word and his sacraments. Ultimately, what we're talking about today is identity. Just as we weren't simply experiencing darkness, but we actually were darkness, now we don't just experience God's light. Paul says that we are light. And we are light because God is light. We rejoice with King David as we say that the Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is our light, and he has made us light. How? In the most surprising of ways. God has made us light by taking the light of the world, Jesus, his only son, and snuffing him out. God eradicated from us the plague of darkness by casting his holy son into the darkness to hang on a cross and die for our sins. Luke says of that day, there was darkness over the whole land while the sun's light failed. We heard Jesus in our gospel lesson today say, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. But he didn't come to judge us, not yet anyway. He came to be judged for us. On that cross, the one on which our eyes are fixed all the more this Lenten season, he took the judgment that we deserved upon himself. There on Calvary, God turned darkness into light through Jesus' death in darkness. There, the dying light of the world swallowed up the darkness of his fallen creation. There in the pitch black of night that had taken over the day, light burst forth. Because it was there that you and I were made light in the Lord. It was there, as Paul says earlier in Ephesians, that we had the eyes of our hearts enlightened. That we may know what is the hope to which he has called us. At one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So, Paul says that means something. We're supposed to do something. He says, walk as children of light. How do we do that? Well, Paul tells us, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Now, here's what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean to call out other people for their sins, but to hide our own. It doesn't mean to pretend that we have everything together and and to look down judgmentally on those who we think don't. It does mean to cast out sin from our lives, to eliminate sinful habits, to genuinely live out the identity that we've been given as children of light. It means to be honest about our struggles and to do everything we can to help others overcome theirs. Sometimes it means showing other people or even ourselves that what we sometimes see as light is actually darkness. What we convince ourselves is good and and true is actually a deception from the devil. Whether engaging in a sexual relationship apart from God's gift of marriage or using alcohol as as an excuse for foolishness or or to find a, a place of refuge, 
or maybe a common one to all of us, making little digital gods out of our electronic devices. As you do this, keep in mind that berating people for being lost in darkness isn't really much help at all. All that's going to do is further entrench them either in despair or defiance. Instead, we have the privilege to simply flip the switch and show them the light of the world. Because if we truly, if we really show people how beautiful it is to live with Jesus by the way we live our lives, it won't take much convincing at all for them to see just how bright he is. Just ask Paul about his trip to Damascus where God's light blinded him so that he could really see. Even someone who is legally blind can see the sun, an object 93 million miles away. We have a much brighter light even than that and we are privileged to show it to the world. And when we do, people will see that the things that seem so terrifying in the midst of darkness are not so frightful after all. Like when morning comes and you realize that that monster in the corner of the bedroom you're staying in was actually a a coat rack all along. When we're doing this, when we are walking as children of light, we are embodying the continuation of God's very first command. In fact, the first recorded words in all of the history of the universe and a decree that was reissued upon the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let there be light. When Jesus healed the blind man in our gospel reading for today, the man's response was to worship him and then to testify before the world to who Jesus is and to what he had done for him so that the faith and the healing that he had received could spread to others. So let us do the same. When I think of what this can look like, I think of this scene from one of the Lord of the Rings movies where a city has to call for help uh, to another distant city. And they don't have cell phones or satellite communication systems or anything like that. And so uh, let's watch how they do that. So this scene goes on for a while. We'll let it play. Um, these beacons of fire being lit to, to communicate across, what is it, Middle Earth, right? Jesus said that, that he is the light of the world. Don't forget, Jesus also said that you are the light of the world. Don't light your lamp and hide it under a basket. Let your light shine so that people may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When we walk as children of light, God uses us as outposts of his mission to set the world ablaze with the hope that's found only in Jesus. Now, you may not want to be stationed at the top of one of those snowy mountains 24-7, but wherever God has placed you, shine your light for him. Where has God set up your beacon? Maybe in your social situation, in your job, with your group of friends, you're, you're placed right in the middle of culture. Or maybe you're on the outskirts of society, uniquely positioned to bring hope 
to other people who are in the same place. Maybe God's calling you to, to be the first, to light your beacon, to, sh- to show other Christians what to do, to inspire them to light theirs, to join in the spreading of God's good news. Wherever you are, God has given you a holy fire to set aflame this world. This is how God enlightens the world, through the message of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, shared throughout the world by people like you and me. There's this famous picture of North Korea taken from space, uh, the arrows pointing to North Korea. The, the whole country is essentially in darkness, except for, for a few lights in, in Pyongyang. And this image has become so famous because of how infamously closed off North Korea is to the rest of the world. It also happens to be the most closed off country in the world when it comes to allowing the gospel in. Just these past couple weeks, I've read a few different stories about Christians in North Korea uh, who are kind of doing the unthinkable. They're sneaking across the border into China, uh, which is not so uncommon. But in China, they're getting discipleship training, and then they're sneaking back across, back into North Korea to spread the message of Jesus in a place that promises persecution and death for anyone who lets their light shine. But Jesus is going with them. And I pray that our prayers will too. I pray that they can be an inspiration to all of us. Wherever you find yourself posted, child of the light, take courage and let there be light. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Revelation, we're told how uh, the day is coming when night and darkness will be no more. We won't need the light of lamp or sun because God himself will be our light. Next week, Pastor Fenske is going to be pointing us forward to that day as he closes out our series. Until then, may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in and through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.